Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Brooke Bulk, your host and assistant writer to Ken Vernon, the inspired author of the ebook Revelation of Revelation of Total Fraud. What you're about to hear on this episode of Revelation of Revelation has never been revealed before now in audio format. We want you to listen in now as we introduce the program topic on this one-of-a-kind program where Scripture speaks the truth through the in-depth Scripture studies of Ken Vernon. And when directing your browser to our website, revelationofrevelation.com, if you haven't already ordered your book, you can do so from the homepage of the website. And you can request ebooks or printed versions as well. Also available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and other book sites. Revelation of Revelation, a total fraud. And now the author, Ken Vernon, and the revealed truth explained on this episode. Hello, Ken. Hello, Brooke. Good evening. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Or thank you for being on your computer, wherever you may be. This program was designed to bring the truth forward, beginning with the book of Revelation. This program is different from any other program that is considered a religious broadcast. No religious broadcast anywhere in the world I have never seen any on television. I've never heard of any on the radio. No one seems to understand the importance of the truth. But that is easily understood once you go to the scriptures. For example, in Isaiah 25, we are told that the entire world lives under a veil. All the people of the earth live under a veil. And that veil will not be lifted at this time except for a handful of people. And those handful of people, unless they are called and they turn to the Messiah, cannot learn the truth. Most would think that the truth is not important. I have heard many uh, excuses given For example, there are those who would say, it doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you believe in God. (laughs) Well, I challenge anyone to show me the scriptures that say that. I have heard many comments over the years from people who will actually say, well, how can I believe what's written in the book? The book has been translated and translated 
and handed down for centuries. How can you rely on it? Well, there is a way to rely on it. The scriptures clearly show us how to rely on it. And the reason most people don't understand is because they don't understand that they do not believe in the Creator. They have some inkling that maybe there is a Creator, but they fail to realize, they fail to see what He does on a daily basis. For example, consider, if you will, daytime, nighttime. That seems like something that should happen normally. So everyone takes it for granted that tomorrow is going to come, the sun is going to shine, if I'm alive, I'll see that. But in fact, what they fail to understand that that was put in place by a divine, by a creator, who is who considers himself the almighty. He makes everything go around. He makes the seasons. As I said before, he brings us the daily sunshine and the nighttime. He brings us food from the crops on the earth. We never stop to consider those things. As human beings, we look around us, and since we were born into all this, we assume, sometimes we do not even make the assumption, sometimes we simply go from one day to the next with the notion that I'm going to do what I want to do or what I plan to do tomorrow or the next day or 10 years, not realizing that the life that you have is finite. There will be a day when you won't be here. It doesn't matter what we do. It doesn't matter what we accomplish. It doesn't matter how famous we become. At some point in time, because we are the dust of the ground, we are going to die. That is the point that he made when he said to Adam and Eve, dust you are and on to dust you shall return. If this sounds like a ramble to you, Stay with me for just a little bit, and you will see why. Human beings in general have what is very often referred to as attitudes. Sometimes we have some wealth. Sometimes we have power because of our jobs or because of our birthright from a rich family. And we consider those things exclusive to each one of us. We never stop to realize that everyone breathes the same oxygen from the air that keeps us alive. We never stop to consider that we all eat the same food that comes from the ground. Some dishes, some recipes are different. Uh, Cultures bring us different types of foods. But in general, we're all consuming the same things. But the truth is something that eludes us because the Creator has purposely put place everyone under that veil. And he tells us in the New Covenant writings that only when one turns to the Messiah is that veil removed. 
Once we come to the Messiah, after we have been called, we are told, or we are shown, that he is the way, he is the life, he is the truth. The life that we live as human beings on this planet has great potential, especially for the people who are now being called. But for everyone, except for those who do not make it, Eternal life is the final goal. We never think of that. Most of us never think of that on a day-to-day basis. This life that we live in this state is the prelude to eternal life eventually. Let me now switch you to the reason why this program exists. We first brought forward the fact that the book of Revelation is a fraudulent world. The things written in the book of Revelation will never materialize. They were all fabricated by men whose purpose was to manipulate and control the masses, as many as they could. For example, I have given this scenario many times before. Consider having an organization that is 1.2 1.3, or just a million, a billion people strong. Think of these numbers. Every person within that organization came forward and gave you $1 every week. Look at the amount of money that you collect in one week from a billion people. Billion by one is a billion. You come away with extreme wealth that enables you to do many things that even great organizations, uh, commercial organizations, operations are unable to do because you no longer have to give account for those billions of dollars that you are collecting. No government tells you how to spend it. No government taxes you on it. You are free to use that $1 billion a week as you see fit. Multiply that $1 billion by 52, and you'll get some idea of how much money that you can collect from people who simply give you $1 a week. That is powerful. I give you that example because the major religious organization in the world is privy or is privileged to be in a situation where they control billions of people. They collect billions of dollars and they do many things. Some of those things they do are well on the up and up. Others are not. But the point I'm making tonight is that without the truth, we cannot see the fraudulent work that goes on behind the scenes in many religious organizations. Without the truth, it's impossible to determine what's written in your Bible. And that truth comes only from the Spirit guiding us into all truth. 
It does not come from a theologian. It does not come from a priest. It does not come from any man. It comes strictly by, by way of the spirit of truth that is given to those who are being called. Having said that, let me now point to you the fact that there are a total of ten books in your New Testament that are just as fraudulent as the book of Revelation. There are nine others besides the book of Revelation. The reason we know that they are fraudulent is because they contain lies. Lies cannot be in the scriptures. We are told that the Creator cannot lie in the book of Hebrews. It is impossible, says the scriptures, for our Creator to lie. So when we open our Bibles, when we go to the various books in our Bible, wherever we find lies, we know that there's a problem. Because the Creator did not inspire that. So then we must ask ourselves this question, well then who's responsible for this? In some cases, our translators, the English translators of the Hebrew Scriptures, make careless assumptions simply because of the fact that they are not being guided by the Spirit, which the Scriptures clearly tell us guides us into all truth. The other problem with lies in the Scriptures is actually manufactured by people who, as I said a little earlier, people who are interested in controlling, manipulating, and satisfying a bottom line. No religious organization on the face of this earth has been given that authority to collect money from everyone in the name of the Creator. The only priesthood that was given that authority lived in the land of Israel during the days of the first covenant. The Levitical priesthood was specifically commissioned by the Creator to collect tithes from the people. Those people were forcibly, violently removed by the Roman Empire in the first century, in the year 70 AD. Since then, there have been many religious organizations established on the face of this earth claiming that they have authority to bring us the scriptures. But in fact, in our New Testament, Messiah said, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth. He does not say, if you continue in the words of the priest or the minister or the theologian. He makes it very clear that we must continue in his words because his word is the truth. Now, regarding the other fraudulent books, in your New Testament. We know they're fraudulent, as I said a little earlier, because there are lies in them. For example, let's go with, oh, I will pick one at random. Let's go with the book of Jude. The book of Jude begins in the following manner. There I am. Uh, 
And tonight, I'm bringing you these scriptures from the Zikaron Sefer, or the Memorial Scroll. One of the best English translations of the Hebrew scriptures. And here's some things. Here's how it begins. Chap- it's only a single chapter, so I'll begin in verse 1. It says, Jude, a servant of Yeshua Messiah, and a brother of James, and a brother of James, to those who are called, catch this now, he is writing this letter to those who are called. He continues, Beloved in Yahweh the Father, and kept for Yeshua the Messiah. Mercy unto you, and peace and love be multiplied. Here's the problem. How do you know? How does anyone know where the people are who are being called? Do you know that? Do I know that? If I've met someone who is in possession of the truth, which the Messiah, or which the Apostle Saul, Shaul rather, reminded young Timothy, is that the church is the ground and pillar of truth. So we, the members of the Messianic community, the first fruits, if you will, are identified by the truth. In another place, he reminded young Timothy that the church, or the first fruits, if you will, is the ground and pillar of truth. So unless you know to whom you know these people who are being called, unless you have met these people, there is no way for you to know who these people are who are being called. Again, what's wrong with this letter, right off the bat, is that this person called Jude is writing a letter to people who have been called. Well, hello. Where in the scriptures do we find instructions for people to write letters to the people who are, who have been called? From the Gospels, we learn that the Messiah sent his disciples out, and he said unto them, Go into all the world and preach the good news. And these signs shall follow the people who believe. They were given special powers to show them who the people were who were being called because of the fact that they physically went to where these people were. Once the indwelling of the Holy Spirit manifested itself in the many gifts that was given to the first century congregation. That's how the apostles knew who the people were who were being called as they went proclaiming the gospel. Writing a letter to people who you've never seen, first of all, is an impossible task. How do you arrive today with all the technology we have at our our disposal, 
How do we get a letter to the people, let's say, in New Zealand, who are being called? You don't know their names. You don't know their addresses. You have absolutely nothing to go on. You have never seen them. We have never seen them. We don't know who they are. Yet, this epistle, which appears in your Bible, and because it's in the Bible, is considered to be true. But in fact, upon closer examination, we can see right off the bat that it actually is nonsense. There is no way, as I mentioned, for any of us to find the people who are being called in any other country in America, anywhere in the next town from us. We have no idea who those people are who are being called unless we physically met those people, just as the apostles who went about preaching the good news of the kingdom saw first an evidence of the people and the gifts that were there because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that was given to them as they responded to the gospel. Let me read for you a little bit more of this book of Jude. Jude, who claims to be a brother of James, none of those people, actually, are Hebrews. They're all English English. Uh, English apostles according to this, but let me continue. It says, Beloved, I was giving all diligence to write unto you of our common salvation. <laughs> I was constrained to write unto you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith that which was once for all delivered unto the saints. How can you write a letter like that to someone you never met? You're making a careless assumption. He goes on. And here's how you know it's nonsense. He says, For there are certain men crept in privily, even when they who were of old written of beforehand unto this condemnation, unrighteous men, turning the grace of Elohim into lasciviousness, and denying our only sovereign Yahweh and Master Yeshua Messiah. How does that connect with the previous verse? Absolutely no connection. He's telling them, these people that he never met, that he doesn't know, that there are certain men who have crept in. Crept in where? <laughs> Assuming here that the person who's doing this belongs to some organization, and I have a pretty good idea who it is, but he continues. He says, No, I desire to put you in remembrance, though you know all things once for all, yet Yahweh, having saved a people out of the land of Egypt, afterwards destroy them that believe not. See the connections? Nothing here makes any sense. Now he's talking about the people who came out of Egypt. First, he's addressing the people who are being called that he doesn't know, that he cannot find, that he has absolutely no way of finding them. So he's writing this letter. 
This person was never an apostle. He never went anywhere. He never saw the indwelling of the Holy Spirit and the gifts that accompanied them. This person actually is nothing more than a fraudulent person writing words here which appear to be scripture because of the names that are being used. But as you read through, you see the nonsense. Nothing is being connected from one verse to the other. Let me go to the next verse and show you another one. He says, And angels that kept not their own principality, but left their paper habit, their proper habitation, he has kept in everlasting bonds under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Again, no connection with what he said in the previous verse. He continues, Even the Sodom and Gomorrah and all the cities about them, having an enlightened manner with these, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, are set forth as example, suffering the punishment of eternal life. You see the madness? Nothing here makes any sense. Nothing here gets connected or anything. This is simply a person thinking to himself that he is at liberty to write scriptures based upon things that he learned from reading the Bible. The next verse, he continues. Even as even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them, having in like manner these, given themselves over to fornication and gone after strange flesh, are set forth as example suffering the punishment of eternal fire. The nonsense here, right before our eyes, is the suffering the punishment of eternal fire. No one burns in a fire. Nothing burns in a fire eternally. That is just simple trash, plain old trash. There's no other explanation for it. There is no such thing as eternal fire. If you get if I get thrown into a fire, it's goodbye within a few minutes. I am dead forever. I am burned. I'm, I turn to ash. You turn to ash. Anyone. We have seen examples of people who get caught in fires and buildings who die. That's what happens to you when you get thrown into a fire. You simply go back to dust. But... <laughs> These people here who concoct these nonsenses, and again, this is only the, one of the many, one of the ten books in New, New Testament which are nonsense. If you go back and read them, you can see for yourself the nonsense that written, written in them. Let me continue reading here. It says, Yet in like manner, these also in their dreamings defiled the flesh and set at naught dominion, and rail at dignities. What does that mean? What what does anything have to do with anything here that he's speaking about? Let me go to the next verse, and I'll show you more madness. He says, But Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. He did not bring, a, he did not bring against him a railing judgment, but said, Yahweh rebuked thee. See, see the point that I'm making here? Now he's talking about 
the devil who disputed with Moses. What has this got to do with eternal fire and judgment? What has it got to do with the people who are being called? Nowhere, absolutely nowhere in the writings of the Old Testament or anywhere else in the New Testament, for that matter, does any does anyone write nonsense about the might Archangel Michael disputing or contending with the devil about the body of Moses? That is nonsense. It has no it has absolutely no value whatsoever. It has no no connection to anything that's written in scripture. The next one says, But these all rail at whatsoever things they know not, and what they understand naturally, like the creatures without reason, in these things are they destroyed. Woe unto them, for they went in the way of Cain, and ran righteously in the air of Balaam for hire, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. Again, nothing but nonsense. Using biblical names, making statements that have no relationship whatsoever to anything. And this book continues in this manner. I'll read you one more verse. It says, These are they who are hidden rocks in your love feasts when they feast with you, shepherds that without fear feed themselves, clouds without water, carried along by winds, autumn leaves without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, wild waves of the sea, foaming out their shame, wandering stars, for whom the blackness of darkness has been reserved forever. And these also, <clears throat> and to these also, Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, Yahweh came with ten thousand of his holy ones. Again, here we have someone just writing total nonsense. But because it's found in the Bible, in our New Testament, we assume that it is Scripture. It is not. And that is only one or the second of the ten fraudulent books that are in your New Testament. And in this series of broadcasts, I will go on I will continue to show you the madness that's written in the other eight books. I won't go into any more of the book of Jude, because, again, it's just nonsense that's connected to absolutely nothing. That's teaching, in, in, that's not teaching anyone anything. And I see I'm out of time, Brooke. Back to you. Thank you, Ken. You've been listening to the Revelation of Revelation and this episode talking about scriptures and how scriptures reveal the truth and point out fraudulent works by traditions of men. The website, revelationofrevelation.com, visit it. You'll see information about the author, an excerpt from the book, contact information for your questions for Ken. Also, you'll notice a tab called Blog. Click on it and experiment with the blog portion and reply to some blogs that are posted and give us feedback that way as well. We appreciate it. Thank you for the guests who've tuned in tonight. Texas, good to see you back. And if this is your multiple 
time back to the Revelation broadcast here on Talk Show. Good to have you return. But Texas is a big state. You never know who might be from that state visiting us at any given time. We thank you for those who tune in the archives, of which there are many, who tune in the programs at your convenience, which you can do at any time, day or night. This is Brooke Volk. Assistant Writer to Ken Vernon, and again, thank you for being with us on this program of Revelation of Revelation.com. You can email Ken with your questions at Vergetti, V-E-R-G-E-D-I, at optonline, O-P-T-O-N-L-I-N-E dot net. Remember, you can order your copy of Ken's ebook, Revelation of Revelation, A Total Fraud, in either ebook or printed version. So until the next episode, we'll say good night for now. Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.